Am I in the appropriate spot? Great. Good morning. How's everyone? Uh, it's nice when you get a response. It's really good. There's life out there. I was uh, scrolling Facebook, as one does, uh, the other day, and I uh, came across a, a friend's post. Um, she was talking about her son, quoting her son. She said, I wonder if my 98.9 GPA, I don't know if they do out of 100% here in Scotland, but they do it in many, many schools in the States. I wonder if my 98.9 GPA is enough to get me into Harvard. Let's Google it and see if it's equivalent to a 4.0. I need a 4.0? She replies to her son, you're in sixth grade, go outside and play. There's a lot of stress sometimes on young people in, in getting into university, isn't there? Um, what's the next step? There's other equivalents outside of university, things we're hoping for. Maybe it's a job interview coming up uh, and you're kind of going over your CV. I don't know how many of you become really good at writing your CV in very creative ways where you start off saying, I am completely unqualified, and then you finish the CV and you're like, there's no way they can't give me this job. For those growing up in the States like me, uh, the pressure uh, going into university was on the SAT and the ACT scores, standardized tests, much like the GCE and A-levels, at least as far as I understand it here. Uh, these are tests intended to determine a kind of merit or how qualified you are for university. Now, I'm not here to discuss the quality of standardized testing and whether or not it determines one's academic merit. But most of us would probably agree that some sort of merit should be used to determine university admittance. At least uh, for others and other people's families, perhaps not ourselves and our kids. Imagine the surprise if after failing your A-levels, you're sitting around one day and you receive a, a call. You're making plans for non-university things. You've given up on any kind of academic endeavor, and then you receive a call from Oxford University, Cambridge if you prefer. They're inviting you to study at one of the most prestigious educational institutions in the world, while lagging just behind a few Scottish ones, of course. The call is followed by a, a letter expressing unconditional acceptance. No more tests to pass or qualifications to meet, save one. Ditching your other plans and in going. Can you imagine the shock? The surprise at receiving such a call, seemingly unwarranted, the, that you're, you're unqualified, you feel undeserving, and to some you, you might feel a bit un, unwelcome. You might even become worried that if the wrong people catch wind of what's really happening, it'll be a front page scandal. Perhaps a headline, unqualified student take their, steals place at Oxford, deserving student left out in the cold. A surprise to you, perhaps confusion and a bit of trepidation, but perhaps filled with joy, looking forward to what might come. Yet to others, it might seem like a, a scandal. Perhaps they are filled with anger, frustration, even jealousy. For others, looking on the outside in, 
it seems like a scandal to those committed to a meritocracy where you should earn what you get. You should be deserving of your place. Think about the power and even the divisiveness of that single call. At the risk of sounding like I'm overhyping what plays out in the part of the Bible we'll look at today, that invitation to Oxford after failing your A-levels is small potatoes, even for Samwise Gamgee who really loved potatoes. I just feel good about myself for getting a Lord of the Rings reference into a talk. Today, we will look at a special invitation Jesus extends to Matthew, the namesake of the book we're going through. And then he extends another call to, to many, an invitation far more precious and far more undeserved than that acceptance to Oxford. I'm going to invite L to read our passage today. So the calling of Matthew in Matthew 9, 9-18. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Thank you, Earl. A simple question for you, for you today. Do you feel unfit? I don't mean physically, though if you do, I just started a small group that goes to the gym, <laughs> and you're welcome to join it. Do you feel perhaps unqualified, uh, like you don't fit a role you've been called to. Perhaps you are a, a Christian here, considering Christianity, and you say, well, most days I don't feel like I'm fit to follow Jesus. I don't feel fit to call myself a Christian. Maybe uh, you have something we call in academia quite often imposter syndrome. You're just looking over your shoulder, waiting to be found out. When people realize you're unqualified, you don't deserve the job you have. Maybe they'll realize you're not a very good parent. Maybe they'll realize you're not a very good friend. You're not very fun. You don't have very good humor. I sometimes struggle with that. Just, just kidding, I don't. Do you feel unfit? What we're reflecting on today, Matthew should have felt very unfit. Matthew was a, a tax collector, and he was being called by Jesus, who was a, a rabbi, someone qualified to teach the law, the Old Testament, the law of Moses as well as the prophets. Rabbis would have known the Old Testament back to front. They would have been able to reason with it with nuance, with proficiency. 
Yet there's Matthew, Matthew who's taken up a job of, of collecting, collecting taxes. Matthew should have felt unfit. He was unqualified, at least in a certain sense of the term. We see in Matthew 9.9, and Jesus went on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, Matthew is, is writing this, and so perhaps he's being a bit modest and keeps it short and says, hey, I just got up and followed him. We see elsewhere, I think Luke writes, that Matthew left everything and followed Jesus. So though Matthew should have felt unfit, though Matthew should have hesitated at the call, he jumped at the chance. What makes him so unqualified? Well, I think to think about how unqualified Matthew are, we have to think about the height, or if you like alliteration, the loftiness of the call and the lowliness of the called. The height of the call what a privilege it was to be called by any rabbi, let alone the rabbi. God who took on human form. Not simply a one who understood and could interpret the law and reason from the law, but the one who made the law. We sang a song about authority. The one who had all the authority. The one whose, whose authority the law rested upon. It was the rabbi, the teacher that was calling Matthew. Jesus could have called the cream of the crop. Following Jesus was better, getting, better than getting to the Ivy Leagues, better than getting into Oxbridge. Anyone should have dreamed of that opportunity. And so who does Jesus call? A tax collector. Matthew, someone who didn't seem to have any ambition of pursuing studying the law. An important question rabbis would ask to ascertain if someone's qualified was, how likely are they to follow me and to imitate what I do? But Matthew's headed in a different direction. We'll see in a second, Matthew is cheating, stealing to make a profit. And Jesus has a really important mission ahead, and yet he still calls Matthew. I find some encouragement in that. If you're struggling with imposter syndrome, if you're struggling with feeling unqualified, perhaps you tell yourself, well, at least I'm not a tax collector, unless you are then there's still hope for you too. There's hope for the unqualified. Just like receiving that call from Oxford or Cambridge, even after failing your A-levels, saying, okay, okay, I know on paper you're not qualified, but Jesus is saying, I have the authority. I am calling you. Will you come? So we see that Matthew is unqualified, and yet he's called by the one who has the authority to tell him whether or not he's qualified. But Matthew's also undeserving. Now, I don't mean undeserving simply in the sense of he didn't get high enough grades, he didn't memorize enough of the book of Genesis. 
you know, he screwed up on the genealogies that go on forever. No, Matthew is, is morally undeserving as far as we can tell. We see here a juxtaposition between tax collectors and sinners. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Sinner is a notion of those who are living outside of the sort of covenant blessing or covenant community of the people of Israel, who are living in such a way where they are seen such that they should not receive the blessing of God. At least that's what culture understood it to be, and the tax collectors are placed alongside the sinners. A little bit about Matthew, if you're interested, there's three types of tax collectors we come across. There's those that collect taxes on land, so crops, so might take a percentage of the crop yield. There's those who collect taxes on head, so that might be a perhaps one-day wages per person. There's those who take tolls and duties. This could include the transportation of goods, uh, border crossings, seaports, and most scholars seem to agree that Matthew likely was one of these. Do you guys recall the main profession of the other disciples that are going to be called to follow Jesus? Fishermen. I find that fascinating. Jesus calls probably the kind of person fishermen would have hated the most. And says, you know what, you're going to come, you're going to join our gang. You know, if I was on an admittance committee, I'd say, no, this is not a good fit. This is bad chemistry. I actually traveled for a year with 12 guys. Seemed fitting. I think it was by chance. I don't think we intended on pur purpose. And there were two people that I really struggled with to connect with, with their personality. Not saying they're bad people. It's just our personalities clashed. And when you live with someone practically 24-7 for a year, as you might realize, some of those things amplify. And so Matthew, it should have seemed like Matthew was a bad fit because of his profession, because of his questionable moral character, and yet Jesus still called him. Tax collectors were also seen as traitors. They used the oppression of Rome, Rome ruling over the people of Israel at the time, and then they put out a bid and said, I will collect taxes for you. And the highest bidder would get to go collect taxes. And then many would either skim off the top or, or charge extra so they can make money. Matthew was likely profiting off his own people due to the oppression of Rome. I find it interesting, when we were going through the Sermon on the Mount, this, this sermon uh, Jesus gave from a mountain, the Sermon on the Mount, it says in Matthew 5.46, if you love only the people who love you, you will get no reward. Even the tax collectors do that. Jesus is treating the tax collectors as basically the lowest common denominator, the lowest moral bar. And yet he calls one, even after saying that. Later we'll come across Matthew 18, in which Jesus is talking about church discipline. It says if people just keep going in their way, treat them like a Gentile or a tax collector. Sorry to steal the thunder of whoever's getting to Matthew 18 next year. Imagine the Ukrainian turning to Russia and saying, hey, you want to help me make some money? 
off Ukrainians. That would just seem so wrong to us. Yet this is who Jesus calls to follow him. Matthew should have felt unfit, should have felt unqualified. He should have felt undeserving from a human perspective. He was undeserving, but the one with the authority called him, so he left everything, and he went. I think this should be encouraging for us if we feel like we're undeserving. I mean, many times I feel undeserving. Most times I feel undeserving. And let me in on a secret. If you start to feel deserving, you probably need a bit of humility too. If people could see what was in our hearts, what's in our minds at times, selfishness that creeps in, you'd be ashamed. You'd feel so undeserving. And yet Jesus called Matthew. And if you see here, Jesus doesn't simply call Matthew. Jesus is calling the tax collectors and sinners as well. As we follow Jesus, it's not just going to be the 12. I know as a kid, I was just thinking there's these 12 guys following Jesus and nobody else. But as you begin to read, there's the 70. And then there's hundreds and thousands that are following Jesus. Matthew threw a feast, which we read in Luke about. And Jesus goes and he dines with them. Not simply because he wants a party. Because he's calling them as well the tax collectors, and the sinners, those who are undeserving. Not only are they undeserving, but from a social standpoint, they are unwelcome. Continue to read in Matthew 9, picking up in verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples. Maybe they were a touch afraid to approach Jesus himself and says, let me go, let me go uh, harass the disciples. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? It's a scandal. I think not being in the first century, we, we might feel a bit removed from how scandalous this was. I don't know what, we have, we have many different cultures represented here, and some cultures are stronger on honor and shame. The first century Jerusalem, heavy honor, shame, culture. Being associated with tax collectors and sinners can bring shame upon oneself, and yet Jesus goes because he wants to call not just Matthew, who's a tax collector, but the many tax collectors and sinners. So these tax collectors and sinners are unwelcome in society. We read in some rabbinic writings uh, called the Mishnah, uh, three things about tax collectors. One, by simply walking into a home, they defile it. To defile it means they are unfit for worship. They are unfit to go to the temple. To, to the temple. But a tax collector simply walking in. Matthew simply walking into a home, according to the Mishnah, he would defile it, make it ritualistically unclean. Two, they were not allowed to give testimony in a Jewish court of law, perhaps speaks a bit to their perception of moral character, unwelcome in court. Three, and this comes from opposing rabbinic traditions, which agree, and many rabbinic traditions do not like to agree on things with each other, but one thing they agree on is that you could lie to a tax collector. 
That's not me telling you to go lie in your taxes, for the record. But these Jewish traditions, they agreed you could lie to the tax collectors. They were so unwelcome that they didn't even deserve, they weren't even owed the truth. We saw that appealing to the cultural sentiment in Matthew 18, which I mentioned before, that Gentiles and tax collectors are placed together. So tax collectors are seen as outside the community of Israel, outside the blessing of God. And yet it's the unwelcome that Jesus calls. I don't think that helped Jesus' social capital at all if Jesus was just trying to one-up, was trying to get a following, was trying to get a few extra Instagram likes or X likes or what's the cool Snapchat likes? I don't even know what the cool social media is nowadays. TikTok likes. Yeah, TikTok. This is the wrong move on Jesus' part. It's unfit if he's simply trying to grow a movement through worldly wisdom. But he chooses the unwelcome. He chooses Matthew. He calls him to follow him. Not only that, but he calls the unwell. So we see so far Matthew is unfit. I should consider himself unfit because he's unqualified. He's undeserving. He's unwelcome in social terms. And he's unwell. That seems like a, a, a bit of an odd one, a term of, of being being sick, like something is, is fundamentally wrong with him. We see Jesus' response to the Pharisees who asked, why are you eating with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus says, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. That's his reason for going to the tax collectors and sinners. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He's calling Matthew and the tax collectors and the sinners unwell. Do you see yourself as unwell? And Matt was speaking last week about um, Jesus forgiving the sins of the paralytic man and that before addressing the physical need, he addressed the spiritual need, the much greater need. Jesus wants people to be whole, not simply comfortable. And so when Jesus says Matthew is unwell, Matthew is sick, he's saying he has a sin issue. That his fellowship, his relationship with God is broken in some fundamental way. Something of eternal significance. I'm sure nearly every one of us understands the pain of a broken relationship in the here and the now. There's certain people in my life where if I feel like I upset them, I am literally sick to my stomach. Yet it's so easy to forget about the importance of our relationship with the God of the universe, the one who made us, the one who sustains us, the one who calls us to be in loving relationship with him, and the one who desires for us to live forever with him in eternity. And yet that relationship needs to be fixed, needs to be healed for us to be whole. Now, don't mistake what Jesus is saying here. Jesus isn't saying simply the tax collectors and sinners are the only ones that are unwell. The tax collectors and sinners are the ones who know they are unwell. 
the Pharisees just haven't figured it out yet. All have sinned. All have fallen short of God's standard. I think if we look deep down inside, even at our most immediate relationships and the damage we cause, we know that we're in the wrong. We know we need to be fixed. We know this world needs to be fixed. And Jesus wants the world and for us, each and every one of us, to be whole. This is like a physician who runs to those who are unwell because he wants to heal them. That doesn't mean Jesus is casual about sin. He's no less casual about sin than a doctor is casual about disease. But he goes to those who, are know, who know they are unwell so they could find help, so they could find healing in him. I like how A.W. Tozer, a, a Christian thinker, put it. He said, I believe that entertainment and amusements are the work of the enemy to keep dying men from knowing they're dying, and to keep enemies of God from remembering that they're enemies. That's another way of saying, there's a lot of distractions in the world that make us feel like we're well, but really what it's doing is it's making us forget that we aren't. We're choosing comfort over dealing with the real issue at hand. The Pharisees use their rules, their sacrifices, their abidance by external things to keep themselves busy so they didn't reflect upon the weightier aspects of the law and whether or not they were loving others well. Jesus saw that Matthew was unwell, and yet he went to him. He saw that the sinners and the tax collectors were unwell, and yet he went to them because he wanted them to be whole. He wanted them to be healed. So Matthew was unfit. He was unqualified. He was undeserving. He was unwelcome. He was unwell. Are you unfit? Let's turn to that question. Are you, are you unfit? Do you feel unfit? The good news today, hopefully this hasn't been depressing saying, I am unfit, and I think that's where it starts. But as we were memorizing this, this verse, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. We could say, I am unfit, but the one who has all the authority still calls you, still calls you to him. Jesus says this to the Pharisees, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is actually a hidden third call. So we have three calls here. We see Jesus' call of Matthew. We see Jesus' call as he eats with the sinners and the tax collectors. And we see an implicit call to the Pharisees saying, I have come, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In Jesus' voice, I just feel like he's like, I wish you would just realize that you're not righteous. And I think he's, he's doing this exactly, which we'll see in Hosea, because the, the Pharisees would have known the law well, and Jesus is quoting the Old Testament when he says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. We see it in Hosea 6.6. 6. 
For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. But let's, let's read on, which I'm sure was probably in the back of the Pharisees, these teachers of the law, law's mind, when he quoted this. As at Adam, they have broken the covenant. They, have been, they were unfaithful to me there. Gilead is a city of evildoers, stained with footprints of blood. As marauders lie in ambush for a victim, so do bands of priests. They murder on the road to Shechem, carrying out their wicked schemes. When Hosea is first saying that God desires mercy, not sacrifice, it's words of condemnation upon the people who offer sacrifices but don't live mercifully, who offer sacrifices but do wicked things. So when Jesus says to the Pharisees, go think on this, God desires mercy, not sacrifice. He's saying, go turn from your ways to the ways of mercy. If you truly understood that God desires mercy, not sacrifice, you would want to follow me too. Mercy over sacrifice. Or let's put it another way since we're speaking of being unfit. Mercy over merit. Mercy over merit. This seems scandalous to people committed to merit. It is scandalous that people say, no, you should get what you deserve until you realize that none of us deserve it. None of us deserve the call of Jesus. And if God was not a merciful God, if God did not desire mercy over sacrifice, we would remain unfit. And yet God desires mercy, not sacrifice. So where you fail on merit, you are called by mercy. Let me say that again. Where you fail on merit, you are called by mercy. Hear the call and go. Do you feel unqualified? Do you feel undeserving? Do you feel unwelcome? Do you feel unwell? You do good. Because we're all that before God. Good news, God calls. God calls in mercy saying, come, follow me. And if you've never followed him, do what Matthew did. Drop everything and follow him. Don't stop to question, am I fit? Because the one who has the authority is calling you. And so go. If you have chosen to follow him, what's our task? It's the same thing he said to the Pharisees. Go and think on this, that God desires mercy, not sacrifice. That doesn't mean don't do things in obedience. That doesn't mean don't come to church or, or, or go to your small group or, or do kind things. But the fact is, sacrifices don't mean anything if you don't have mercy. If you don't walk in justice, if you don't walk humbly, if you don't walk in love. So go think on that. And that should inspire us to go and to spread that call. Jesus calls us to imitate him. He calls us to extend the call that we have received. Matthew was called, and so Matthew went, and then Matthew would go and call. We've been called, so we should go, and we should call others as well. As we reflect upon mercy, I'm going to invite Ellen to come on up and uh, sing a song about God's mercy for us.
<coughs> so this is sung we, we sung before and it's a little bit wonderful it says um, our sins they are many like Kat was saying it just maybe seems like we're unworthy but his mercy is more is greater than that so um, let's stand and sing about God's mercy <coughs> 